Glory to God, this is Dr. Ruth. How are you doing today? I trust the Lord you are doing well. So I have a question for you. Have you been blessed by the teachings in this podcast? I trust the Lord that you have been blessed because the word of God never returns void. So would you do me a favor? Would you email us to let us know how these teachings are transforming your lives? What the Lord is doing with these teachings in your life? I would really, really like to hear from you. And it will be a blessing to read about your feedback or testimonies, okay? So here is our email address, info at drruthtanyi.org. Again, it is info, I-N-F-O, at drruthtanyi.org. I thank you in advance for sending me your feedback as I am really excited to to hear what the Lord is doing and I look forward to reading your emails and I do read all of the emails. So when you send me an email, I will personally respond. So I really encourage you to email us and let us know how these teachings are transforming your lives. Glory to God. And also please remember to share this with friends and family and check out our YouTube page Facebook page and Instagram and we also have a bookstore where you can uh, check it out and find other Bible teaching materials right there so I pray in the name of Jesus that your hearts are open to receive God's word today and you will be blessed here is the teaching I welcome you today I am Chris Oren we are almost through with the story of this courageous brave hero Joshua today we will learn about his farewell speech to the Israelites and find out what we can learn from the Lord from Joshua's speech. We will also learn from Joshua about our covenant relationship with God. Here is Dr. Ruth with a deeper explanation. Welcome. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. This is Dr. Ruth. I am glad, glad, glad you are with me today. Awesome. We continue our study in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. We have come to our last session in this book and the last two chapters out of the book of Joshua, chapters 23 and 24. Boy, I have learned a lot and I have been encouraged and edified. I hope you have also been encouraged by the Holy Spirit and edified by these timeless principles that we have learned thus far. So we continue today. Joshua chapter 23. What is the gist of this chapter? In this chapter, Joshua will offer his farewell speech to the leaders of the nation of Israel. He is an old man now. He's about to die. So let us get to the first few verses. Joshua 23 verse 1. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. After a long time had passed, this is about 40 years now. Joshua, by then a very old man, Joshua is close to 100 years old now. A very old man summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. Verse 3, you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. 
it was the Lord your God who fought for you. Boy, Joshua is reminding them that God did this for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Verse 5. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised. Awesome. Joshua has gathered the, the leaders, the elders, and the nation of Israel, reminding them that it is God who did this for you, not yourself. Already we see the power of memory, the importance of using history to help us refocus on God's faithfulness and his goodness. Verse 6. I like the way Joshua did this. He reminded them that it is God who did this. Now he is going to encourage them. Verse 6. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Without turning aside to the right or to the left. Verse 7. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. Verse 8. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Oh, how important, how timeless these, these teachings. God is speaking to us today. We should not live lives like the pagans, like the unbelievers who are our neighbors. We should stay steadfast to him. We should attach to the vine Jesus Christ. We should bury our heads in the word of God. We should gain our strength from his teachings in the word of God, not from unbelievers. The same thing. Wow. The word of God is really timeless principles to help us. Wow. Verse Nine, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. Boy, I love this. Joshua is reminding them that it is the Lord who fought this battle for you. You've won every single battle. Verse 10, one of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. Just like what I was saying, God's faithfulness. Joshua is reminding the elders, the leaders, and the Israelites before his death. God fought this battle for you. God has blessed you with all this prosperous land. Do not turn away from God. Serve him. Love God. Oh my God. So true. Verse 11. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. Verse 12. <laughs> I like this. He is about to tell them, remind them what will happen to them if they turn away from God. Verse 12. But if you turn away and ally yourself with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, verse 13, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your flesh 
until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Let's talk about this uh, verse. It's very crucial. And Moses had reiterated the same principle. The principle is still applicable today. Joshua, let's go back here to verse 12. Joshua is warning them not to intermarry with the Canaanites who are still living in their land. Because remember, like I said earlier, some of the, the clans or some of the tribes had not subdued some of the Canaanites. And as I said earlier, they are going to regret this because these Canaanites will become a, a thorn to their flesh, just like Joshua is prophesying here. When Joshua made that comment, do not intermarry them, this is not a comment of uh, prejudice. This is not a comment of uh, or an ordinance to say uh, that God prohibits interracial marriage. No. What is the principle here? The principle is that the Canaanites or the Israelites rather should not marry unbelievers, pagans. And this principle still applies today. The New Testament talks about this. Okay? What has light got to do with darkness? Essentially, the principle is that believers, Christians, should not marry unbelievers, pagans. You know why? I have often said that. The New Testament teaches us that bad company corrupts good manners. You see, it is always the bad apple that corrupts the good apples in a bag. It's not the other way around. So the, God knows this, which is why God is telling us that for our own good as Christians, we should not marry unbelievers because when you marry unbelievers, you marry their pagan ways, their pagan beliefs, you marry their idolatry, worship, and their pagan ways, idolatry, will affect you, the Christian, and you will end up in the dumps. And that is not God's will for us. God wants us to influence the unbelievers. But when you marry them, you become subject to their wrong beliefs. The same principle here. Do not intermarry the Canaanites. Joshua was telling the Israelites. That's really what this is. Believers should marry believers. Okay. And, and then he went on in verse 13 to let them know that if they did that, boy, they're going to turn away from the Lord and the Lord will turn away from them. And if they did that, the Canaanites would be a pain in their behind. And uh, because of their pagan worship and all the things I have just described. So that is what those uh, verses are explaining in depth. We go to verse 14. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth, meaning I'm about to die. That is essentially what Joshua was saying. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. I love this. So encouraging. Not one of God's promises failed. Wow. God is so faithful. Wow. A lot of times when we as Christians claim that God has failed us, that's not true. It is us who did not understand how to live the Christian life. It is us who do not understand how to apply the word of God into our lives and expect results. Yet God has blessed us with teachers, programs like this to teach you 
how to walk by faith and trust God. So when people don't see God's promises in their lives, it's never God. It is never God. It is never God. This is not to condemn anyone, but rather than blaming God, we should evaluate our own lives. Besides, the New Testament teaches us to evaluate our lives every day if we are living in accordance to the faith. We have to get up every morning, trust God, evaluate if our actions are consistent with biblical teachings. You see, many Christians make the mistake they want to live their lives apart from applying the principles of the Bible into their lives. You can't. You cannot say you're a Christian and then you just live your life without spending time in God's presence through his word. That is the only way to learn how to live by faith and trust God. When you spend time in his presence every day, you take the principles in the Bible, apply them into your life and pray for the Holy Spirit to enable you to live daily by faith. Then we can and we will see godly results and God's faithfulness. So God never fails us, please. Okay, so this is the same principle that Joshua was telling the Israelites. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. That was the end of verse 14 there. Verse 15, but just, this is really interesting, but just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to pass, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. He is talking about the fact that just as much as God has blessed them, if the Israelites turn away from God and they start to worship the pagan gods of the people in the Canaan land, in the same way God has blessed them, God will turn his back on them and destroy them. And it came to pass. We talked about this already in the book of Deuteronomy, how Moses had prophesied that if they abandon God, God will abandon them. And as we proceed in the study of the Old Testament, we're going to see how this will happen. Right away in the next book, the book of Judges, we're going to start learning this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Whew. Verse 16. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. Just exactly what I was just describing there out of verse 15. Joshua was concluding that in verse 16, which brings us to the end of this powerful chapter. The same principle applies today. And I have often said, in the New Testament, as New Testament believers, it is not that God is going to strike us dead. God won't. He won't. What is going to end up happening is that when we open the door for the enemy, Satan, to come into our life, when we develop a hardened heart towards the things of God, and instead we practice sin, evil, ignore God's promptings, then... We are just choosing to obey the devil and we would quench the Holy Spirit and we would open the door for the enemy, Satan, to come into our lives, to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10, 10, Jesus tells us that and God will allow it. God would allow it because we first, out of disobedience, allowed it and God would just honor our choices. But that's not his will. Which is why the Bible teaches us that God would chastise us 
out of the book of Hebrew. When we go astray, so we can come back in alignment with him because he does not want the enemy to attack us, kill, steal, devour us. But when we, based on our own wrong choices, refuse to obey God and we disobey and we keep disobeying, God has given us a free will. He will allow us to have our way. And each time we have our way, the end result is destruction. The same principle here. Okay, that brings us to the end of chapter 23. Glory to God. Jesus is Lord. I'm glad you are with me today, friends. As uh, you are listening to me and as you have been blessed, I want to ask you to bless us back with a financial donation so we can produce more of these Bible teachings to reach many, many more people because that is God's deepest desire so we can reach as many people as possible with this uh, message so their lives can be transformed so they can live as overcomers in Christ. Would you like to be a part of that by helping us with a financial donation? The word of God teaches that whatever you give into his work, God will be certain to bless you back. Let me give you a scripture to stand on as you give into this ministry and you can be certain that God will bless you back. That scripture is Luke 6:38. It teaches give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So as you give into God's work, God will be certain he blesses you back abundantly, exceedingly. And you would be partaking into God's work to advance the good news of Jesus Christ. So friend, would you open your heart to bless us back with a financial donation so we can join hands and together uh, advance God's work? Whatever you give into this ministry, we go right back into this Bible teaching podcast so we can pay for studio time and produce more shows so we can reach many, many more people. So here is how you can give. Our safe and secure website is drruthtanyi.org slash donate. Again, drruthtanyi.org slash donate. It is safe and secure. You can donate from anywhere in the world. All you need is internet access to make a donation as you are led by the Lord. Or if you live here in the USA, you can donate through Zelle. And the telephone number is nine zero nine five zero one nine zero three one that number is nine zero nine five zero one nine zero three one we also receive donations through cash app the name there is the dollar sign dr ruth tanyi again for cash app the dollar sign dr ruth tanyi friends in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your kind love donations into this ministry. And we pray in the name of Jesus that God in his faithfulness will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. We thank you in advance. So enjoy today's teachings and be blessed. That brings us right away to the very last chapter of this powerful book of Joshua, chapter 24. What is the gist of chapter 24. It is the renewal of the covenant between the nation of Israel and God, and Joshua was doing the renewal. That is the gist of this chapter. 
before I begin into teaching this chapter, let's just talk about the covenant. For those of you who have not listened to uh, the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy, which I really encourage you to do so. What was the covenant between Israel, the nation of Israel, and the true living God? Let's go over this quickly. Number one, the nation of Israel was to only worship one true living God, God the creator of the heavens and the earth. That was God's end of the covenant. And you have to remember, in a covenant relationship, you have two people involved, and each part must meet their end of the bargain for the benefits of that covenant relationship to come to its full fruition. And the covenant relationship between the nation of Israel and God was simple. God's ways are always simple. It's us human beings who make things complicated. So going back to these four major how can I say this? Four major attributes or four major things, if you will, that uh, were involved in this covenant between God and the nation of Israel. Number one, the nation of Israel was to worship one God only, the God of the Bible, creator of the heavens and the earth. Number two, the nation of Israel was to love God with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their strength, and they were to obey him. We've talked about that over and over. Number three, the covenant God was, was to use the nation of Israel as his chosen people to reflect his holy character. That way, the other nations in the world will see God in their lives and in the laws of the nation of Israel. That way, the lives and the laws given to the, to the nation of Israel would attract the other pagan nations to the true living God. So the nation of Israel was God's chosen people to reflect his holiness and his holy laws to the rest of the world. And number four, the conquest of Canaan was a means or a way to accomplish this purpose, this covenant between the nation of Israel and God. Really, that was it. And God's part of that covenant relationship was to bring them to this promise Conquest of the uh, promised land, Canaan. God's part of that covenant relationship was to lead and guide them to this promise. And God kept his end of the bargain 100%. But they failed God. So here, in chapter 24 of the book of Joshua, Joshua is about to die. So he is going to renew this covenant, remind the entire assembly the nation of israel about this covenant relationship between them and god so let's get into it joshua 24 verse 1 then joshua assembled all the tribes of israel at shechem he summoned the elders leaders judges and officials of israel and they presented themselves before god verse 2 Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Now, this is that who says the Lord now. Joshua really here is the mouthpiece speaking on God's behalf to the entire assembly. Joshua is about to relay the entire history beginning from Abraham when God, God called Abraham from his pagan nation and his pagan 
lifestyle and made a promise to him. He's about to relay that whole thing, again using history to remind the nation of Israel that God has fulfilled his end of the bargain. It is up to them to fulfill their end of the bargain. Boy, we see a similar thing Joshua is doing like Moses did before his death. He gave his last lecture. We see Joshua giving his last lecture to the nation. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nehu, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. We are finding out right away Abraham worshipped pagan gods. Verse 3, but I, see Joshua is saying I because that is the Lord speaking through Joshua. But I took your father, Abraham, from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. We've covered all of this in the book of Genesis. So now we have already seen how God called Abraham from a pagan nation. There is a key principle here. I want to say it real quick. There's a principle across the entire Bible. When we seek God with all of our heart, he will reveal himself to us. There are so-called unbelievers who are telling you today, well, where is God? I don't see him. Well, if your heart is truly seeking the true living God, even if you have pagan ways, pagan worship round and about you, God will reveal himself to you. Abraham came from a family that they practiced pagan worship. God saw his heart. His heart was seeking and desiring the true living God. So God revealed himself to Abraham and called him out of that pagan nation. So true today. So when I see people, unbelievers who always tell me where, I don't know where this God is. I always use this principle. I say, when you are truly seeking God, he reveals himself to you. If you don't care about God, if you're not seeking God, he won't because God doesn't force himself onto anyone. So no matter where somebody is in planet earth, even if they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, if their heart yearns for the true living God, one way or the other, God will reveal himself to them. Bottom line. Bottom line. That is the principle. Verse 5. Now we've gone through the quick history of Abraham. Now we're going to begin about Moses and Aaron. Then, this is verse 5, Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. Verse 6, When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with uh, chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. Verse 7, But they cried to the Lord. Essentially, what these verses are saying is relaying what happened during the Passover, we talked about this already in the book of Exodus, how the Lord delivered the Israelites from the bondage in Egypt. Okay, that is what these verses, verses 5 through verse uh, 7, are, are narrating how the Lord's hand was over the nation of Israel, delivering them from the bondages of Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. 
and God brought them through the Red Sea. We talked about all of that. So that is what this is narrating. At the end there of verse uh, 7, it says, Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Verse 8, I brought you to the land of the Amorite who lived east of the Jordan. We see God reminding these people that you came out of the wilderness. I brought you to the eastern side of Jordan in the land of the Amorite. And I helped you to overcome uh, Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab. Okay, and then uh, in verse 10, the Lord is saying that uh, Balaam wanted to bring about your destruction, but I bless you instead. Oh, my God. God is so detailed. Oh, my God. He is just narrating how he has been with them each step of the journey until he brought them into the promised land. That is really what these verses are saying. We come to verse 11. Then you cross the Jordan. Uh, and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you and did also the Amorite, Perizzite, Canaanite. So again, we see the Lord saying that, ah, wow, on the east side of Jordan, with my help, you overcame Balaam. You overcame the king of Moab. You overcame Balak. You overcame the Amorite. And then you cross over to the Jordan and you overcame Jericho, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, all of these uh, things we've gone over in this book. The Lord is telling them that I did all this for you. Wow. We come towards the end there of verse 12. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. Verse 13. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Wow. The Lord is reminding them that you are now in the promised land, enjoying prosperity of this land. You didn't do any of this on your own effort. I did this all because of my promise to Abraham. Wow, what a perfect summary of God's presence, faithfulness in the lives of the Israelites. Okay, verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This is like a sarcastic, sarcastic statement. I did all this for you. Now don't go and worship the idols like your ancestors did. Serve me. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But, this is Joshua speaking now, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I love it. Okay, so Joshua has given the people a choice. Serving God is a choice. It is a choice. And you know, let me just say this. When the Bible is teaching us and the Lord is saying, love me, serve me, God is not begging <laughs> for us to love and serve him. God is self-sufficient. Here is why. God loves us so much that he knows that when we turn our hearts away from him and we start to live as pagans, that will open the door for the enemy, Satan, to come into our lives and devour us. And God does not want us to be to be devoured by Satan. God does not want us to suffer. God does not want us to die prematurely. So God is like, obey me. 
You see, because God is just. God is fair. If we don't obey God, if we don't seek God, we don't receive from him. So God said, all you have to do is just come to me with a childlike faith, just like Jesus said in the New Testament, and obey me and serve me, and I will protect you, I will bless you. So it is for our own good. Because when we turn and we are serving the Lord, our hearts will become sensitive to him. And his presence in our life will be evident. And that in and of itself will keep us away from thinking about the things of the evil one. And then we will inherit the promises. Really, that is why the Lord keeps saying, serve me, love me, because it's good for us. It's good for us. Not that he needs it, but it's good for us. Okay? So we see how Joshua had given the people a choice that if you want to serve idols, go ahead. But for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's listen to the people's response. Verse 16. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Verse 17. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. Verse 18, And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Awesome. So the people verbalized their allegiance to serve God. They verbalized that, yes, God is correct. God is true. God is always true. God is always correct. They just reiterated that, yes, they are in agreement that it is God who has brought them here, not their own effort. And they want to serve God. Verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Joshua is just telling them that if you're not able to serve the Lord, he is going to, but he won't forgive you. Essentially, you would open the door for the enemy to attack you and God will allow it. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you. The same thing I was just saying. Verse 21, but the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Verse 22, then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. So the people agreed that we are witnesses that we will serve the Lord. Verse 23, now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 24, and the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Let's go back to verse uh, 23 and 24. This is interesting. The Lord knew, it appears as if Joshua knew that these people, their hearts were not fully inclined 100% to the Lord. Okay, but yet God was still working with them. Okay, God said, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your heart. Just like what I was saying. That this is, this is awesome. This is telling us right away that we have control of our hearts, which way 
We want our heart to go. And I discussed it earlier in the book of Joshua. God doesn't manipulate our heart. God doesn't control our heart. It's up to us. If we want to yield or open our heart to the things of God, or if we want to close our heart to the things of, of the Lord and instead open our hearts to the things of the world and of the things of the enemy, Really, this is a clear example that God has given us control over our own hearts. Oh my goodness. So we would be wise to open our hearts to the things of God so he can mold and shape us. Okay. So the people agreed that they will open their hearts to the things of the Lord. Verse 25. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people and they are shaken. He reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. Verse 26, and Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Right away, we are seeing that Joshua is the author of this book. He wrote everything down. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. Obviously, this large stone was like a witness. Verse 27, see, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness, just like what I just said against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Just like what I was saying. So we see how God was speaking through Joshua and Joshua was giving his last sermon to the people. Verse 28. Then Joshua dismissed the people each to their own inheritance. How significant, how important for Joshua to do this to remind the people. Oh my goodness. And this is something that we as New Testament believers have to remind ourselves every day. Our covenant relationship is between us, God, and Jesus Christ in the middle. And God is so good that he has sent his spirit to indwell us, seal us, Ephesians 1.13. And the spirit is available to lead and guide us daily as we live as Christians. So God is a God who operates within the confines of a covenant. Awesome. Okay, we come to the last few verses of this book, uh, verses 29 all the way to 33, which will just highlight the death of Joshua. Let's just highlight a few uh, verses here. Verse 29, after these things, referring to after Joshua had given his last sermon, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Wow. Long, fulfilled, blessed life. Verse 30. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Tima, Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Verse 31. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done. For Israel, let me pause here, Bible scholars, and we will find this out as we get into the very next book in our Old Testament study, the book of Judges, that during the ministry of Joshua, the Israelites were the most prosperous. They prospered. They did well because they had a leader who was a godly man. They had a leader who obeyed and who listened to God. And the nation prospered. How significant to us today as leaders that when we are obedient to the laws of God, our followers are blessed likewise. And there is peace and unity. 
So during the ministry and the lifetime of Joshua, the Israelites excelled because their leader was excelling. What a godly example for us. Verse 32, And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the track of the land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver. So we are reminded here how Joseph's bones, we talked about this in the book of Genesis, came into the promised land and where he was buried. Verse 33, And Eliezer, son of Aaron, died and was buried at Gibeah, which had been allotted to his son Phinehas in the hill country of Ephraim. That brings us to the end of chapter 24 and to the end of the ministry of Joshua and to the end of the book of Joshua. Powerful book. I have enjoyed every verse. I have learned a lot. I have been strengthened. I hope you have likewise. So let us get into the major principle or principles from these last two chapters. So, uh, two major principles out of chapters 23 and 24, God's faithfulness. Again, <laughs> wow, God narrated his story, how he had been faithful to the nation of Israel from Abraham up until the present time during the ministry of Joshua. Principle number two, Joshua's leadership was just superb. He was a very brave, courageous, successful military leader, commander of the chiefs or commander of chief, whatever they call them. And he was an awesome, wow, spiritual man, man of God, led the people as unto the Lord. He was successful. He had a blessed, successful, fulfilled ministry and the people were blessed as well. And the third Major principle is that of covenant. We learned how God is a, a God of covenant. He deals with his children within the confines of his covenant. We talked about the covenant between the nation of Israel and the true living God. And I also talked about us, New Testament believers, our covenant with God, with Jesus Christ in the middle. And uh, what is the major application here? I have talked about this over and over. Really, the leadership of Joshua. And I'm going to preserve this. I will talk a lot about this when I get into the conclusion of this book. Because there is a lot I want to talk about the leadership of Joshua, how we can learn from that. But I will preserve that for the next session when I will do the uh, teaching on the conclusion and how the book of Joshua fits into the entire totality of scripture. But uh, real quick, Joshua's leadership is something to emulate. His, his heart of obedience is something that really is, is priceless. It's something that we have to really trust and pray for God to give us a heart of obedience. And we talked about how we have control over our hearts. We make the decision which way our hearts would go. So if today your heart is hardened towards the things of God, I am asking you to pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you to open your hearts to the things of God. Because God is ever present, ready and willing to help you. To help to realign you back towards his things. Because he has 
great promises for your life, but you have to make the decision. Just like Joshua told the Israelites, I'm telling you today, for me and my household, I have chosen the Lord. Who have you chosen? Is it the Lord? Is it the things of the world? Who have you chosen to serve? You see, God has created us with eternity in our hearts. So we will choose one way or the other which way to go. Are you going to choose the ways of God or the ways of this world? That is a decision that each one of us have to make. God does not force himself upon anyone. So I ask you, if you're listening to me, hopefully this is a good sign that your heart is yielding towards the things of God. If you are struggling, I pray that you ask the Holy Spirit to help you. So your heart is more sensitive towards the things of God. And then number two, a good way for your heart to yield towards the things of God is to spend time studying God's word. Listen to the voice of God through his word and trust the Holy Spirit to do a work in your heart because he is ready right now. Okay, so the last application here is that as leaders, our job is to obey God, to trust him, to love him, to serve him. And as we do that, we would set a good role model for our followers. At the end of the day, each of us want to leave a legacy of how we served God for others to emulate our children, our friends. Don't you want a godly legacy? I know I do. I want a godly legacy. So others who listen to me, who read my books, can look at me as someone who served God. I hope you too want to leave a godly legacy to your children, your niece and nephews, by being obedient to the things of God, spending time in his word, yielding your heart towards God, and just living a lifestyle as a Christian so that others can emulate, be a role model for God. That is God's will for all of us. In Jesus' name, I hope you receive that. Father God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is ever-present to help us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is speaking to hearts, to people's hearts right now. Lord, you are such a good God, an ever-present God to help us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to just strengthen us to reveal more of your ways to us and enable us to just have a heart to serve you, have a heart to just lean towards the things of God and just help us to be men and women who make time to spend time in your presence by studying your word and teach us through your words, Father, for all the timeless principles we have learned from this book of Joshua. I ask your Holy Spirit to bring to the remembrance of each listener these principles and teach them how to apply it personally into their lives so they can see godly results. For Father God, you deal with each of us individually. I don't know where people, people's hearts are, but you do know. So I'm going to trust you that you are doing a work in people's hearts right now. We thank you, Father God, that you go before them today to open divine doors to protect them and to be with them, to comfort them. We ask all this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody says, Amen. We hope you have been encouraged by Joshua's faith and are ready to step out in faith to trust God with whatever you are believing Him for today. 
I am Chris Oram, wishing you a blessed day in Christ Jesus. Goodbye. <laughs>